This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about inflammatory bowel disease in cats. We'll be right back after these messages. You know how every house you go into has a certain smell? As a Minnesotan, it's that hockey gear smell in the winter mixed with the smells of a fireplace and a wet dog. But there's one thing your house never needs to smell like, the litter box. And for that, I found Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It seals and destroys odor on contact for a seven-day odor-free home, guaranteed. Don't let your house smell like a litter box. Get Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about IBD or IBS, whatever you want to call it. But this basically stands for inflammatory bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, cats and dogs can get this, but we're going to focus on cats today. Now, who out there just cleaned up a pile of cat vomit this week? I literally just did it two hours ago. And as a cat owner and a veterinarian, I can say I'm pretty tolerant to vomit. In fact, most of the time, that's the number one cause of dogs and cats coming into the veterinary ER. Cats do it all the time. But is it normal? Nope. I'm often amazed of the tolerance of even veterinary professionals when it comes to cat vomit. Now, don't get me wrong. Once in a while is okay. That's normal. But if you find your cat vomiting more than two to three times a month, that is not normal and something more serious can be going on. Of course, it could be hairballs, it could be diet, and I'm gonna ask that you ramp up how often you brush your cat, especially if they have long hair, to minimize that hairball. But again, if it's more than three times a month, it could be due to an underlying medical problem that's causing that chronic vomiting. There's a lot of causes of vomiting. It could be inflammatory bowel disease or what I'll call IBD from now on. It could be organ problems like kidney failure or liver problems. Sometimes it's from benign hairballs. Sometimes it's from something more serious that requires surgery, like a foreign body, something stuck in the stomach or intestines. Just last week, I had a cat that had to go to surgery for eating the tip of a Nerf dart gun. So cats will eat anything random. Sometimes it's from an overactive thyroid or even an endocrine problem, like a diabetic crisis. So it's important to know, yes, cats vomit more frequently than dogs, but if your dog vomited three times a month for a year, wouldn't you seek veterinary attention sooner? Yes, you would. That's why we need to do it in our cats too. Now, IBD in cats is really similar to irritable bowel syndrome or IBS in humans. In fact, in humans, it's often called Crohn's disease. So what exactly is happening with IBD? Well, 
IBD is really a fancy way of saying that your cat's immune system is attacking the gastrointestinal tract. So that's going to range from the stomach down to the small intestines, all the way down to the lower colon. And while I like to sometimes call it an allergy, sometimes it can be due to meat proteins, food additives or preservatives or artificial coloring in the food, milk proteins, or very, very, very rarely gluten. But this is rarely an issue in cats. Sometimes it can be from underlying immune problems or it could be from hidden cancer in the intestinal tract. Now, when I do see IBD at the ER vet, most of the time it's in middle aged to older cats. And please be aware that Siamese cats and some purebred cats are slightly more at risk for developing IBD. So besides vomiting, what are some other signs of IBD in cats? Well, most of the time it's chronic gastrointestinal signs. So it could be an on and off appetite to being more finicky, to even rarely having an increased appetite. It could be lethargy or listlessness, vomiting, or even diarrhea, ranging from pudding soft stool to watery diarrhea, and sometimes having mucus or blood in it. It could be what we call borborygmy, a fancy way of saying the guts are contracting or grumbling more frequently than normal. It could be your cat showing signs of abdominal pain or straining to defecate, or dripping diarrhea near the litter box, being more flatulent, or having really foul-smelling feces. Yes, feces smells foul all the time, but trust me, if you have a cat with IBD, their feces smells way worse. It could be chronic weight loss or having a poor hair coat. So the signs of IBD are really, really vague. Now, there's no one specific blood test that I could do to say your cat definitely has IBD. Your veterinarian's gonna wanna do an appropriate workup for IBD. And that's going to include things like a thorough history, asking you how long it's been going on, what diet your cat is on, when was the last time you changed the diet, how long has the chronic weight loss been going on, what kind of feces are you seeing, how often does your cat defecate, is your cat indoor or outdoor exposed to foster kittens, a lot of important questions that your vet needs to know about. Your vet's going to want to do a thorough physical examination. They're going to want to make sure that your cat doesn't have thickened loops of intestine or enlarged lymph nodes in the belly. I want to make sure your cat doesn't have a palpable thyroid nodule near their neck. I'm also going to want to do some blood work, blood work like a complete blood count and a biochemistry panel and urine test. That's going to look at the white blood cell count, the red blood cell count, the platelet function, how well your cat's kidney function and liver function is, what the blood sugar and the thyroid test is, what the salt balance is, and what the protein is. So a lot of important information from those blood tests. I'm also going to want to do a thyroid test and even a test called a TLI, a trypsin-like immunoreactivity test. Sounds like a lot. It's a mouthful. But this test specifically for the function of the pancreas. I'm also going to want to do a cobalamin and a folate test. Now, you're probably thinking, with all these tests, this sounds really expensive. And you're right. It's probably going to cost approximately four to $500 for all those blood tests. One of the reasons why I'm such an advocate of getting pet insurance, but that's another episode of ER Vet. These blood tests are really important. And if my cat was showing these signs, honestly, they're the same exact tests that I would do. The reason why is because these tests will help rule out whether or not your cat has a pancreas problem, potential cancer, or IBD. I also want to do a fecal test. And this is going to test for parasites or protozoa or bacteria 
like Campylobacter or Salmonella that can be causing chronic problems. Now, I should step back and say, if you make an appointment for your vet to rule out chronic vomiting, please ideally make sure to not feed your cat anything the day of the appointment or anything after 10 p.m. the night before. I also recommend that you take away the litter box at least four hours before your veterinary visit so your cat has a bladder that I can sample from. Most of these specialized tests looking at the pancreas have to be done when your cat doesn't have a lot of food in their stomach. So ideally, whenever you go to the vet, you always want to fast or not feed your cat. Water's okay at all times, but when in doubt, remove that litter box, remove any food just to be on the safe side. Now, depending on what those initial tests show, your vet may end up referring you to an internal medicine specialist for additional testing. That's because they may want to do abdominal x-rays or even an ultrasound. Now, I talked about the importance of ultrasound before in a previous episode on lymphoma in cats. The reason why I like to have an ultrasound done is because it lets us look at the architecture, the size, and the structure of all the organs in the abdomen. It's not invasive at all. It's just like if you got a pregnancy sonogram. We have to shave your cat's belly. We have to put a little bit of lubrication on there, but it's non-invasive. Most cats don't even need to be sedated for it, but it's a great way for us to be able to look at the thickening or the size of the intestines to make sure there's no foreign body in there, to look at the size of the lymph nodes, to make sure there's no cancer in the abdomen. So again, really important that we consider doing these tests. We'll continue with this really important topic right after these messages from our sponsors. I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching. His paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing great improvements. And today, 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog. And he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate. Like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to ER Vet. We're talking about inflammatory bowel disease in cats and how it typically results in chronic vomiting and diarrhea. Remember, if your cat is vomiting more than three times a month, you do want to seek veterinary attention because sometimes it's due to an underlying medical problem. In a previous episode of ER Vet, I talked about how cats with inflammation of their intestines from inflammatory bowel disease are at higher risk for developing cancer, lymphoma within their intestinal tract. 
And that's why we want to make sure if your cat does have IBD, that we diagnose it and treat it sooner. So we decrease that inflammation and any potential secondary complications of developing cancer down the line. So we've been talking about how we're going to diagnose IBD. And most of the time, your vet can do the initial workup. Again, the history, the physical exam, the blood work, some x-rays. But then they may refer you to an internal medicine specialist for ultrasound or x-rays. Now, the true way of diagnosing IBD is honestly advanced diagnostic tests. This is typically done when we tissue sample your cat's intestines. And the only way we can really do that is by endoscopy under anesthesia or ideally by exploratory surgery. Now, there's two main differences between endoscopy and exploratory surgery. Endoscopy is way less invasive. Your cat needs to undergo general anesthesia because we're sticking a very, very expensive camera and biopsy device through their mouth, down their esophagus, into their stomach, and into their intestines to remove samples. These are tiny, tiny, small millimeter-sized tissue samples of their gastrointestinal tract. The good thing is it's not invasive, and it only takes about 20, 30 minutes to do this. We may actually go on to do a colonoscopy and then biopsy the colon too. The problem with doing endoscopy is that it's not a full thickness piece of tissue. It's just grabbing the surface of the intestines. It's not getting a full thickness intestinal biopsy, but it's less invasive, it's less expensive, and can potentially still give us some answers. The ideal thing to get the best samples is to do surgery. And this can be done at your vet too, but it does require full thickness biopsies of the intestines. That's when we actually cut into the whole intestines, remove a small sliver, and then sew the intestines back together. Very rare complications, but does require a longer surgery. It is more invasive, but those are better samples. Now, the reason why we want to be able to diagnose IBD appropriately is because of how we're going to treat it. So what is the treatment for inflammatory bowel disease in cats? Now, sometimes we're going to start with a course of antibiotics. And these are usually antibiotics that help normalize the million or billions of bacteria within the gastrointestinal tract. So sometimes I'll do a course of a drug named metronidazole. Super, super bitter. Cats hate eating it. But please know you can get it compounded at a compounding pharmacy into a more palatable liquid, fish flavored or chicken flavored. A lot of times before I even consider doing endoscopy or surgery is I always deworm your cat, even if they're indoors, for any type of gastrointestinal parasites. While we don't see Giardia a lot in indoor cats, that's what causes beaver fever, quote unquote, in humans and diarrhea when they drink water out of random streams when they're camping, we can definitely see it as a cause. And there's no reason to do expensive tests if your cat ends up having something that's easily treatable with a dewormer. The next treatment are vitamin injections. I talked previously about doing cobalamin and folate blood tests, and these look specifically at cobalamin. And sometimes cats will require vitamin injections because they're not absorbing these vitamins appropriately through their intestines if they have inflammatory bowel disease. So some cats will feel a lot better with veterinary prescribed injections. This is something that needs to be done frequently, but I have a lot of pet owners who do it themselves once they're taught how to do it by their vet. The next course of treatment is a hypoallergenic diet trial. What does that mean? That means getting your cat gradually used to eating one specific prescription type hypoallergenic diet for 12 weeks. 
It means once they're eating this as 100% of their diet, they don't get any other snacks. They don't get any treats. They don't get any table scraps for at least 12 weeks. This is really, really important. And if you're going to do one thing, this is the thing that you want to do the most carefully. If your cat responds really well to a hypoallergenic diet, it may not need medication for the rest of its life. It may not need that endoscopy or that exploratory surgery. So trust me, you really want to follow these guidelines. When your vet tells you a strict hypoallergenic diet, please make sure to try it for 12 weeks. If it doesn't work after 12 weeks, your cat still has horrible vomiting and diarrhea, it's not going to work. And then we may need to use medications. Other medications that we may end up using include long-term prednisolone. That's different than prednisone. It's molecularly very similar, but cats need prednisolone in order to absorb it. I don't like using long-term steroids in cats because it can predispose them to diabetes, heart disease, congestive heart failure, chronic problems. And so we want to get your cat on the lowest therapeutic dose. Now, a cat with inflammatory bowel disease usually does require prednisolone therapy. We usually want to get it onto the lowest effective dose, but some cats are on it indefinitely. They're on a small dose every other day for the next few years. That's why you want to make sure your cat is diagnosed correctly before we just start them on a random medication that could potentially have potential side effects. Most importantly, know that if your cat was just diagnosed with IBD, it's not curable, but it's treatable. And so you want to carefully work with your veterinarian. Know that relapses can happen. So if your cat acutely is vomiting, they're vomiting 10, 12 times in one night, they can't hold any food or water down, they're really lethargic, they're hiding, that's when you want to get to your ER vet. Because sometimes these relapses can occur and we may need to adjust the medication appropriately. When in doubt, please know that the diagnosis of IBD does require some relatively invasive testing, just like in a human, but the prognosis is fair to good once we start treating them. Well, that brings me to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at drjustinelee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank our producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.